passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden. Atlanta is on the road against Baltimore in a Week 16 matchup on Christmas Eve. So we've got a fun kind of lead into the holiday episode for you guys today. I'm going to be joined later on by a true triple threat, a producer, editor, and digital host for BaltimoreRavens.com. Her name is Shelby Granith, uh, one of my good friends um, and... I had a blast talking to her. She knows a lot about the players, their personalities, the coaching staff, all of that good stuff as as a team insider like I once was. Just a really unique perspective on a team that is really interesting um, for a few different reasons. So we touched on all of that uh, as well as a few other somewhat off topic things. But hey, Falcons are five and nine. We're heading into a Christmas holiday weekend. I got a kid on the way. Sometimes you got to cut me a little bit of slack and, and allow me to go off the rails sometimes. So. Enough about that. Let's talk some football. Bet Online remains the number one source for all your sports betting this season. We're talking everything from the NFL and college bowl season all the way to esports. That is a big spectrum we're talking about here, you guys. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends over at Bet Online. Better yet, Bet Online features live betting free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. To get your 50% welcome bonus, make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That is B-L-E-A-V to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. There are a few things that I want to touch on here at the top before we get into to my chat with Shelby. Uh, and I'm going to I'm going to try to do this quickly. I don't need to take up too much of your time today because you probably got family in town. You probably want to hang out with some friends. Uh, enjoy your time away from work that you have. So I appreciate you listening to uh, to this talk and I'll make it quick. Um, the first point, Desmond Ritter. As I've gotten more distance from his first start. And as I've heard the coaching staff really kind of hammer home this point, and, and their word is ultimately what matters, it seems like they really just kind of wanted to get one under Desmond Ritter's belt, that they wanted him to go through an entire game, not a dress rehearsal, not a preseason game, not a, not a scrimmage, not a two-minute drill in practice. You got to get in there in a hostile environment, one of the most hostile in this league, in a rivalry game against a decent defense, 
the Saints are still a pretty good defense and you got to get your feet wet. And that the fact that there were real no, like not really any um, pre-snap errors that were egregious. There weren't any um, delay of games, timeouts that he had to take because he didn't know the play caller. He didn't get stuff in. I thought he did a decent job actually communicating in a timely fashion to everybody on the offense. And then he looks up and there's 10 seconds left on the clock and he's already made the checks in a really, really loud stadium. Everybody could hear there weren't any glaring miscues. Yes. Was his passing off? Of course it was. Did he, you know, maybe take a few more deep shots than, than you might've liked given how quickly they fell behind in that game? Probably. But that's stuff that they can correct moving forward. I think what was really important for the coaching staff to see from this rookie in his first game was that I can handle all of the kind of baseline stuff that you have to have to be a quarterback. You got to keep the offense on schedule. You've got to have a certain amount of urgency to your game because everybody's looking to you to set the tempo. Can you go in and out of tempo? Can you go no, no huddle and then Two plays later, bring everybody back and slow it back down. You are managing the game, which is why I've I've never hated the term game manager, because definitionally, that is what a quarterback is, is you are kind of managing the flow of the game while you're holding serve, like while you're on serve and you're on offense, you get to dictate to the defense. So he did all of those things fairly well. Now we'll see where he goes from here. The next point is Caleb Huntley. Season's over. Uh, towards Achilles. I really hate to see that. He's been one of my favorite stories of the season. Obviously, you know, given what he did in the preseason to even earn a spot and then how he's taken that and no pun intended run with it. Uh, and at times here we thought, hey, is this the guy to start? You know, not Tyler Algier when Cordero Patterson was down. It was Caleb Huntley who was just a single drive by himself marching down the field and, and punching it into the end zone. So it was really cool to see. But I thought that this one story from Arthur Smith during Monday's press conference is both indicative of the type of player that Caleb Huntley is, but also the type of culture and players that Arthur Smith is looking for. Because he said that Caleb Huntley basically injured uh, his Achilles on the, uh, the second play of the game. And he didn't go down immediately. He didn't grab his leg and, and need the trainers to come out and all of that stuff. He stayed in there. He stayed in for another play, according to Arthur Smith, and, and made a block in pass protection. Again, maybe it was Cam Jordan. Maybe it was um, you know, Mark Stavenport. Maybe it was somebody else coming off the edge. But he stayed in there, and he took an NFL hit in pass protection. And then he jogged off the field. And when Arthur Smith went and asked Caleb Hundley about, you know, why would you do that? Why didn't you just go down? He said, hey, you you wanted to go no huddle. Like you wanted to go tempo and he didn't want to come out. So that kind of speaks to the self-sacrifice that some of these players are able to have. Um, And that Arthur Smith, I think it's the type of players that he wants, that he's attracting, that he's kind of getting this type of look. I'll, I'll give even more of myself for the benefit of the team, whether I'm hurt, you know, whether I'm tired, but have you, I think that just is really embodying the type of culture change that we are starting to see. And it's why I think you're seeing more success relative to the perceived talent level on this roster compared to years past, because I don't know if a player would have done this on a Dan Quinn coach team. And I don't think that's a slight to Dan Quinn. Obviously the dude is a hell of a coach. We're seeing what he did in 
in Dallas, but it's more about that type of, of culture of, you know, giving every last inch of, of backing up, you know, the talk of, of really earning your keep every single play. And Caleb Huntley's that dude. And I think that, that those are the types of dudes that they are looking for here. Final thing, Dean Pease obviously did not coach last Sunday. He was at the hospital. A little more clarification came on that because he spoke to the media today, which is a great, great sign. Uh, they would not have had them had him doing that if uh, if there was any concern whatsoever. He has said that he will travel with the team this weekend. Um, so expect him to be up there in his old stomping ground in Baltimore. But clarification on the reason why he had to go to the hospital, because after he was hit, he said he went to the ground and he was just kind of, man, what just happened? But that he felt like he was OK and that he just needed to kind of walk it off. He said that a, a team trainer knew that he takes blood thinners. And if you're on blood thinners, if there's any bleeding in the brain, it can turn out to be very serious. And ultimately, it could lead to a stroke. So even though Dean Pease felt like he could kind of stay and coach and and just needed a, a moment to gather himself for his safety. And as a major precaution, they took him to the hospital, checked him out, him CAT scan. It all came back positive. Then he returned uh, to the stadium and said he watched kind of the final six minutes of the game in the training room in the dark on the TV. He actually said he, he kind of turned back on the TV when Rashawn Evans was making his kind of pivotal sack there to, to maybe give the Falcons one last chance to uh, escape with a win on the road. Unfortunately, that did not happen. But Dean Pease looks like he's going to be good to go uh, this weekend and moving forward. And that's, that's kind of big because he was asked also if, if he's been back to Baltimore for a game since he coached the Ravens defense from 2012 to 2017. And he said, yeah, with the Titans in the playoffs in 2019. And for those who don't remember, the Titans upset a really good Ravens team uh, in the playoffs on the road. And that was kind of the beginning of that Ryan Tannehill thing. He didn't have a great game. 88 yards, two touchdowns. Desmond Ritter could do that, honestly. Um, but defensively, the Titans held uh, just a dynamic and explosive. I mean, this is Lamar Jackson, I believe his MVP year in 2019. They held him to 12 points. The Ravens ran 92 offensive plays and they scored 12 points. Lamar Jackson did turn the ball over three times, so that obviously helps. But clearly, you know, Dean Pease, he knows what he he has so much at his disposal from a knowledge standpoint, a history standpoint, that he knows kind of how to throw a bunch of different things. I think it at good offenses or, or maybe some things that from long ago, this is this is a really good way. Handed down generation to generation for you to stop this type of offense. And maybe he has a trick or two up his sleeve. Obviously, the situation is totally different. The teams are totally different. I don't expect the Falcons to, if they allow 92 plays to the Baltimore Ravens, I don't expect them to only give up 12 points, whether Lamar Jackson is, is back or not. And Shelby and I will touch on that. But it's going to be really nice to, to see Dean Pease back on the sideline in Baltimore. I hope that he gets kind of a warm welcome. From the fan base there, I expect him to, and it'll be really nice for him to uh, to enjoy that moment. So, speaking of enjoying moments, let's get to uh, my conversation with Shelby, which was a blast, and I'll see you on the other side. Super excited to be joined by Shelby Granith, a producer, editor, and digital host 
with BaltimoreRavens.com. Part of the team. You are part of the team, Shelby. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk some Ravens football with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. So what's going on with the Ravens? I mean, like you look at their offensive numbers recently. On the one hand, the defense seems like it's it's clicking right along. It's really finding its stride. But, you know, you're only averaging about 14 points in the last five games. What's gone wrong with the Ravens offense that looked really, really good at points earlier in the year? Yeah, I mean, you can't beat around the bush when you only scored two touchdowns in the last three games. You know, you got to get in the end zone to win games. And unfortunately, the Ravens didn't do that on Saturday against the Browns. And I mean, there's a number of factors you have to look at. You have to look at Lamar Jackson, you know, former MVP of the league has missed a few games with an injury now. Um, a lot of injuries on the wide receiver group, you know, mm-hmm. you have Evan Duvernay, who just went on IR. Rashad Bateman hasn't played. You have guys like um, Deshaun Jackson and and Demarcus Robinson who have come in. And so there are a number of factors, but you know, the run game's working. Like you said, the defense is really good and and you they just got figured out. And that's kind of the mindset of the team this week. Coach Harbaugh knows they have things to figure out. Mark Andrews talked about that. Mark Andrews actually said, you know, we have complete faith on what's going on in the building. You know, we don't hear the the naysayers and we don't hear the outside noise. We're just focused on us. And there are a lot of guys in that building that want to win football games. And that's what they're trying to do. I'm sure that he's a great guy. In fact, I, I know that he's a great guy, but I have such a bone to pick with Mark Andrews because <laughs> he is just killing me in my other fantasy league. Not the one where I'm, I'm playing Trevor, uh, your fiance this <laughs> week. But yeah, man, Mark, Mark Andrews. I know that the shoulder injury is a big thing. Obviously, the quarterback, you know, carousel has also played a role in that. But I also when I was looking and you mentioned Devin DuVernay and, and obviously him going on IR is, is big, but you rattled off a list of names there. Sammy Watkins claimed off of waivers. It is like a who's who of old receivers that you used to think were amazing and are now just kind of in Baltimore. And you had no idea that they were in Baltimore. How has how has the offense dealt with like that type of cohesion? Has it been an issue with chemistry? Has it been, you know, have there been some timing issues, things like that? Or or is it more just a lack of like elite talent that they're used to having? I mean, you can look at it and say it was the same similar situation last year when we mm-hmm. brought in all these running backs. We had Latavius Murray playing True. right. I mean, it was very similar when we lost all our running backs last year. So It's hard to say. I mean, Lamar Jackson, when Deshaun Jackson got here, was very excited. And, you know, yeah, he still got it when when they practice. So, I mean, the passing attack isn't where it needs to be. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, that that's when you're not putting up points. There's such a small margin of error. And I think we saw that on Saturday. You don't put up points and then you lose a fumble and you get an interception and all of a sudden the Browns score one touchdown and, and that's what they needed to beat us. And so that's a point of emphasis. I don't know how that's going to totally get better though, if we're being honest, you know, does that, the red zone efficiency has been an issue all season. And so, yeah, they start off the season somewhat consistent, but I mean, it's been a handful of weeks where they haven't been able to produce in the red zone. So it's just something they've got to figure out and make it work. I mean, it's it's very similar to the Falcons this year, right? And I, I know that you keep one eye on the Falcons, um, <laughs> but they they found a way to stay in every game. But kind of the byproduct of that is that you're in a lot of one score games. And when the margin for error becomes that small, almost intentionally, and 
I don't blame the Ravens for wanting to play kind of like a 10-3 game because defensively they're good enough to win that type of, of game. And generally when you've got somebody's electric as Lamar Jackson who can break off a 75-yard touchdown run on any given play or like J.K. Dobbins, I know that he's still gaining that explosiveness back um, mm-hmm. that you know the knee injury is, has cost him. But they do have that explosive ground game that has been mm-hmm. lacking. And, and really the passing game has never been their true bread and butter which is kind of why they're like a hard out in the playoffs. And especially if we'll get to the weather here at at the end of the pod, but like when you start looking at some of the temperatures for these games, late in December, early January, it's like if we can give the ball to JK Dobbins and then just throw five yard passes over the middle to Mark Andrews, we like our chances in the playoffs as long as we've got a good defense. So let's talk briefly about Lamar Jackson, because I don't think anybody really knows if he's, going to play on Saturday or not. Obviously, the Falcons and Arthur Smith has said this throughout the week. They're going to prepare like it's going to be Lamar. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if Huntley's back out there, there's some similarities. There's some differences. Obviously, nobody's a Lamar Jackson, but you have to prepare for the most dangerous thing and then take your chances with everybody else. Wednesday, he did not practice, which I think was a little bit of a surprise to some people. Mm -hmm. How can you gauge that vibe? Like, are are people in Baltimore expecting Lamar Jackson back out there on Saturday? Or are they, you know, a little bit of, hey, as long as he can get as good as he possibly can be and we can get into the playoffs, that's all that really matters. And you should maybe beat a team like the Falcons without Lamar. So what's the temperature besides freezing cold in Baltimore on the uh, Lamar <laughs> Jackson kind of like rehab versus we need him back out there? Yeah, I mean, I think we all kind of had the Falcons circled for when he would return, right? But injuries are unpredictable. He was he was week by week last year and ended up missing the last six games. Mm-hmm. So I think some of us were maybe afraid. What what if this turns into a we lose him for the rest of the season? Um, you mentioned, yeah, he hasn't practiced this week. So is it likely that he'll play on s- Saturday? I'm not. I, I can't say, and Coach Harbaugh is, you know, kind of keeping that to the team. But yeah, he wasn't at practice Tuesday, Wednesday, so I would not expect him to play. But I mean, I think we're still expecting him back at some point this season. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of you don't want to rush it, right. and and kind of what you said. Do you need him this week, or can you give him another week of rest and then? And then he's ready for the last two games, which are against division opponents. And you mentioned it too. I mean, Tyler Huntley is so similar to Lamar Jackson in the way he can move. And so I think we saw that last year too, when Tyler Huntley came in, that was a great part about having Huntley is that this offense didn't have to completely change for him. He, he stepped right in and the receivers were comfortable. The running backs were comfortable. He was comfortable aligned just because he does have a similar playing style to Lamar Jackson. That is obviously a big help, right? Having a guy who can be a little bit more interchangeable. We're seeing that here in Atlanta this year mm-hmm. with kind of Desmond Ritter stepping into a, a similar-ish type of, of role as, as Marcus Mariota. How do you think, and you're not a medical expert, so I'm going to phrase that a little differently. <laughs> I wonder if the kind of expected really cold weather, high gusty winds, just rain, snow, like it's all kind of in the mix, it seems like for this weekend, honestly, across the board, uh, like, again, people don't care about my fantasy playoff teams, but just because Shelby's here and I'm playing her, her fiance, I'm bringing up fantasy once again. 
the number of times that I had to like click on matchups to be like, all right, are they playing outside? Are they playing in a dome? What's the weather forecast? I have looked at every possible city that has a stadium on the Weather Channel app this week <laughs> to, to make sure the right deal is, is happening. So I wonder if they say, look, if it's iffy, if it's on the fence and he's going out there and he's playing in, in freezing temperatures with wind gusts up to 25 miles an hour, maybe we don't put him out there. Do, do you think that that could be any part of it? I'm going to say no, just because this is AFC North football weather. Fair, um, very fair. <laughs> I, I host our pregame show and we always have a legend, you know, come on and join us. And I, I mean, we've had some our last few home games have been very cold and I'm like, man, what's it like playing in this weather? And they're like, no, this is AFC North football weather. This is what you, this is why you play. This is, and I'm like, really? Cause I can't feel my hands, but that's cool. <laughs> so I, I don't really think that's it. I think this is, you know, what the Ravens expect to play in, but I mean, you have Lamar Jackson, who is a Florida guy. I mean, yeah. <laughs> this is not fun playing in weather like this, but I mean, I don't really think that's part of it, but no, I mean, and, and again, I'm just speculating, but that is so true that football almost doesn't begin in the, in the AFC North, uh, until really the weather gets cold, right? Yeah. Like that's that how many times nobody wants to see a, an early September Steelers Ravens game. Yeah. No, that, that thing always, all games need to be in late November, December, January yeah. for, uh, for those types of matchups, a couple of other injuries. Um, Clayus Campbell, Marcus Peters mm -hmm. kind of seem like they're both up in the air. Maybe Peters has a bit more of a chance according to reports than, than Campbell for Saturday, but somebody who has come back and come back in a big way, JK Dobbins, mm -hmm. how much does he just mean to this offense, this team? What, what's his energy like, you know, what kind of a, a Dan Quinn used to always call Devonte Freeman a multiplier because yeah. his energy was just felt everywhere. It, is JK Dobbins like that as well? Oh, definitely. He, I mean, he's dancing. He brings a lot of energy in the slack room, on the field, off the field at community events. And I think that's what we saw last year, right? So JK Dobbins, um, rookie year was 2020. It was also my first year. So, and it was a COVID year. So, and then, um, 2021, we lost JK to a gruesome knee injury, um, last preseason game against Washington and then not long after lost Gus Edwards. And I don't yeah. think fans kind of almost remembered what we had until we didn't have it in those two. <laughs> I already mentioned the, the running backs we brought in, we brought in Freeman, we brought in all these other guys and it just, it never was JK and Gus and man, now that those two are back, it's just, it's different. And you see what the Ravens run game is and it's explosive. And I mean, you have JK who, the way he sees the field and can maneuver and it's just so impressive. And then Gus Edwards is just a big body. That's hard to bring down. And, and he always, he's always falling forward. You rarely see him in a situation where he doesn't gain any yards. And that's the same with JK too. And so it's still amazing to see though. He even says, I'm not fully back yet. Like, you're, you're breaking these huge <laughs> runs. What are you talking about? And he's like, no, those, those should have been touchdowns. And He's just, I mean, since his return, 245 rushing yards in two games, 8.8 .8 yards per carry is what he's averaging. He's just, he's a difference maker. And the Ravens, I mean, are loving having him and Gus Edwards back. And it's one of the reasons why you could see the Ravens really actually liking their chances as a dark horse 
mm-hmm. when Lamar gets back into the mix. Because like you mentioned, they haven't had that three-headed monster really since like early last year. Yeah. And they are one of the only teams, I think, that can boast a similar consistent running game to like Tennessee, to San Francisco, maybe now to Atlanta. And like that carries you in the playoffs at a time when just other aspects of, of an offense may not. So from that standpoint, like I think Baltimore is kind of a team on the rise, even though right now it feels like there's, you know, a lot of people freaking out about the the recent mm-hmm. performance of the offense. But I wouldn't be shocked if that turns around and kind of turns around quickly once everybody gets back into the mix. But there's no doubt that J.K. Dobbins has really kind of done a lot the last two games and become the focal point of this offense. And he's mm-hmm. going to be maybe the focal point of, of Atlanta's defense. They've done okay against the run. You know, I, I actually think they've played better than people largely give them credit for. There's just some real bad tackling issues on this team. Is J.K. Dobbins uh, really, really good at breaking tackles? Because he's going to have a lot of opportunities to do that on Saturday. <laughs> I'll let him know. <laughs> he is, though. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's dangerous. This is not not a good tackling defense. Um, but that's all stuff that that people who watch the Falcons week in and week out, that's the nitty gritty that they're getting into. What do people in Baltimore have to say about the Falcons? Is this a team they they totally are just overlooking because of where they are? They're in the crappy NFC South. It's an out of um, you know conference matchup. You don't see the Falcons a lot. You probably don't think about the Falcons a lot. And so you you see this and it's like, all right, this is a game we should win. Is there any thought about Atlanta beyond that? I think there is because there have been a handful of games this season that we went into thinking, yeah, we should win this. I mean, we lost in Jacksonville. And I mean, I'm not saying the Jaguars aren't a good team because they are a much better team than their record shows. But, you know, you probably could have said that last week. We we should have beaten the Browns and, and we didn't. So I don't think at this point in the season you can't overlook any opponent. And that's what the team is saying, too. You know, the, the Falcons are the next opponent that that's what's important <laughs> They're You know, they have to be one and oh this week. They have to get that this win. And it's a home game and defend your home turf. So I don't think the Falcons are getting overlooked at all. Um, as far as in the Baltimore fans, um, <laughs> not sure we're, you know, hopefully we, we get a good crowd out. It's, you know, it's tough on things on Christmas Eve and it's supposed to be very, very cold, like we've talked about. So hopefully the fans still show out. I mean, I will. Are you kidding me? It's, it's not, again, it should be like the Steelers. It should be the Browns. This should be Baltimore fans all huddled out there with hot chocolate and just mittens and big hats watching some AFC North football. But you get us instead. Um, <laughs> Merry Christmas. We're we're the we're the coal in your stocking. Uh, <laughs> but Desmond Ritter's first start came against a pretty good Saints defense. You know, I don't think they're as good as they've been in years past, but they're solid. They're rock solid. And Baltimore, as I mentioned really, really well right now. The offense is struggling, but the reason Baltimore is in these games is because the defense is kind of playing lights out and they're Baltimore. Like they're going to be pretty good on defense. So it's a very tough challenge for Desmond Ritter. But I think the Saints and the Ravens are different defensively in in kind of what they want to do. Can you give us a little bit, not necessarily an X's and O's look at at kind of the Ravens defense, but just who, who are some of the faces and the names that we need to really be paying attention to on Saturday? I mean, Roquan Smith is the newest beast in Baltimore, and man, yeah, he is. He's been lights Former out. bulldog, baby. What's up? <laughs> uh, I know. I hate to admit it. <laughs> I used to work for Florida, so uh, 
there not a big fan of Roquan in, in his college days. But I mean, since <laughs> the since we got him on November 1st, has just absolutely been a beast. 47 tackles, two sacks and an interception. And just the energy he brings too. He's coaching up Patrick Queen, fellow linebacker. And that mm-hmm. duo has been very dangerous. And then you have our pass rushers. Justin Houston has been having an insane season. Jason Pierre-Paul is, you know, a veteran in this league. He he can get to the quarterback. So just the fact that the Ravens have had, are now on a streak of 10 consecutive games with multiple sacks is something that I think the Falcons should, you know, kind of. Must be nice. <laughs> kind of uh, be worried about a little bit. They've, you know, it's the NFL's longest active streak. They have 34 sacks in those oh 10 God. games. And uh, so, yeah, they're <laughs> they like to get after the quarterback. Our, uh, you know, first year defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, likes to likes to send those guys back there. Kyle Hamilton, our rookie safety, just got a sack last week. Marlon Humphrey has a few sacks. So it's a dangerous defense, not only, you know, putting pressure on the quarterback, but they're also plus seven in the turnover margin and they have yeah. 23 takeaways this season. So. I mean, our the defense is like you said is what's keeping us in games, and they just they get the offenses off the field, which is is nice. <laughs> Shelby, I think the Falcons have eighteen sacks so far this season. You guys have thirty four. You said in ten in games the, in the last ten games, yeah, oh, yeah. Couldn't couldn't be us. Uh, I I when we were texting a little bit about um, this matchup and specifically like Devin Duvernay being out and, and just, we went through all the receivers and the injuries to the passing game. I was like, there there's going to be 400 combined rushing yards in this game because it's no secret. Atlanta wants to run the football. It's no secret that that Baltimore wants to run the football. I mean, these two teams are really, really oriented around that aspect of their offense. And then I looked at the defensive numbers and, you know, both offenses. I actually, I think they're what they're either, Two and three or three and four? It's two and three. Baltimore, and three. yeah, the number two rushing offense in the league. Yeah. Um, Falcons, number three. But the defense is the, yeah, Ravens, number three against the run rush offense. And uh, Falcons, I think, 21, yep. 21st in the league. <laughs> so that that's the issue right there. And mm-hmm. I, I don't see a way around that for Atlanta. And it's kind of one of the reasons why this, to me, is one of those games where Baltimore could easily win it. 13 to seven, right. And, and should feel comfortable if that's kind of the game they want to play going in. Cause I just don't know if Ritter in the elements now he did play in Cincinnati. So it's not like he's not familiar with the cold, but second start again, coming against a good defense in those environment. Like that's not the recipe for him to just carry the offense. So I'm kind of tentatively leaning Baltimore because of, of just, your defense is playing lights out right now. It tell me why I'm I'm wrong. Is there any part of this Atlanta team that you'd be nervous about, or maybe a Baltimore weakness that has crept up in some of their losses recently? If you have red zone issues, if you can't score, you're not gonna win games. You can't always rely on Justin Tucker. And, and we saw that last week. And unfortunately, you know, after the game, he he said he felt like this loss was his fault. And that's not fair to him because he's won Baltimore so many games in his historic career. And so it just, yeah, that that's a worry for me, getting into the red zone. And as good as our defense is, you know, uh, offense has to score. And 
you know, Tyler Huntley's got to get something going. And you, you, we've been talking about the injuries. Well, Tyler Huntley was limited in practice today. So, you know, is is Tyler Huntley even going to be the guy on Saturday? So, I mean, there are a lot of question marks around this team. They, it just feels like we haven't had a complete game on offense and defense yet this year against the saints was close. Um, against the saints was probably the closest we came. And I think fans want that. I think this team wants that complete game and I'm hopeful it can come this weekend, but we'll see. I mean, it would certainly give you a lot of confidence going into the postseason, right? Nobody wants to go into the playoffs waiting for that kind of, Oh, there it is. That's what it looks like when everything's working. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to have to find that out when it, when it's do or die time. Right. Do you know who would be the quarterback if Tyler Huntley is not able to go? If Lamar's still out and Tyler's out, who would Anthony be Anthony Brown is our next in line. He came in when Tyler Huntley got a concussion against the Steelers. Okay. So we we talked about the weather. We kind of talked about the offensive struggles, but the defensive strengths. Is there any aspect of this game that you think I've missed? Or is there any part of Baltimore's mindset, recent talks like a player that you think could come on is there any blind spot that i have um in this conversation that that you want to take a little time to highlight i mean i think mark andrews is a guy who has been very quiet the last few weeks but he i mean he had an intense presser this week and you can tell that guy just he just wants to win i mean every guy wants intense how I mean, you could just see the the passion, just the way he answered questions. And he unfortunately got a lot of questions about the outside noise. And, you know, yeah. let's just say we had to bleep a few words out because he's <laughs> like, no, I don't give a I don't like. Gotcha. No, we don't care. We and you like to see that because you want to see because if they didn't care, then, you know, yeah. what are then we've lost the the players, you know, but the fact that they're still fired up, they still have their coaches back. And so I think he's had a quiet few weeks, but he's, he's due. He has not scored a touchdown since week six. And that's, yeah, you, you don't have to remind me. Mark Andrews. <laughs> yeah. He's also on my fantasy team. And I, I struggle with that every week. Cause you can't benchmark. You Andrews. can't, I mean, you can't. And I mean, no one, the, my next tight end, it doesn't even come close to <laughs> Mark Andrews numbers, but it's like, come on, something's, something's got to give. And I think once, once he gets that figured out and whether it's his shoulder injury or Greg Roman said last week, like Mark is getting double teamed, like no other in many yeah. different ways and in many different scenar- scenarios. So if they can figure that out and find a way for Mark to get open, I mean, the passing attack, Mark is a big part of that. Lamar Jackson to Mark Andrews, that's his favorite connection out there. And so once you get that kind of back up, and hopefully it's this weekend, I don't know how often we'll see Tyler throw the ball, but hopefully Mark can get a few one catches in there. I, I think there's a good chance that that can happen. Um, I, I haven't seen the Falcons true double team a lot of players this season. Uh, obviously, AJ Terrell at corner, mm-hmm. probably not going to be over Mark Andrews a lot. Uh, that may be Jalen Hawkins, uh, his assignment. But yeah, like I, I think that there's a real chance that Mark Andrews does kind of have a little bit of a bounce back. We saw what Jawan Johnson did last week for the Saints mm-hmm. against this team. So 
there, there's some susceptibility on this defense uh, for the tight end position. I have one more for you, Shelby, and then I'm going to let you get out of here. Yeah. It is, it is, you know, the holiday season. Happy Hanukkah to those who celebrate. Merry Christmas to those who celebrate. So I want to ask you, because I celebrate Christmas, what is one item on the Ravens' wish list uh, this Christmas season for, for the future? What do they need? They, they need a win on Christmas Eve. I mean, do they that, that badly? That, I mean, it's the next one, right? And you have you have one wish, Shelby. You have one wish in the whole world, and you're you're going to wish for them to beat the Falcons on Christmas Eve. <laughs> first off, always ask for a million more wishes. So <laughs> that's your first mistake. No, I mean the Ravens control their own destiny here, right? So there are multiple scenarios in which they make the playoffs on Saturday. They clinch their spot, but none of those matter unless they win. And so, sure. yeah, for Christmas, that's what I want. I want the Ravens to win the next game winning. You know, you were, you know, you were on the inside with the team. It's, it's a lot more fun when you win. I, I was like, that is spoken like somebody who has seen the inside of a building during a, a, a multi-game losing streak. Yeah. We want, you know, we want victory cake. We want, it's fun around there when we win. And yeah, that's what I want. I want to win on Saturday. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you know, I, I hope for for the sake of our friendship that, that you get that win. But I hope for the sake of everybody else listening to this podcast that you go home sad and you have a, uh, you know, a, a blue Christmas. Um, it is a house-divided Christmas. So it's not even like I wouldn't just have a Ravens loss. You know, like you said, my fiance, he used to work for the Falcons. So it is a house divided and I would be very sad. Do you think Day. you could watch this game with Trevor? No. <laughs> it's a good thing it's at home and he'll be on the Falcon sideline freelancing for the Falcons and I will be on the Ravens sideline. <laughs> that is truly a house divided. Literally cannot think of a better way to uh, to describe that or to end this podcast, honestly. So so we're going to end it right there. Um, Shelby, thank you so much for, for taking the time to join me to talk a little Ravens. Is there anything that you want to shout out um personally before i let you go i don't think so i mean i love atlanta and the falcons have a special place in our home and in our hearts but this weekend go ravens <laughs> all right thank you so much shelby again i really really appreciate it thanks well i want to give a big thanks once again to shelby granith for joining me today to break down Falcons Ravens game. You guys can give her a follow on Twitter at Shelby underscore Granith. That's G-R-A-N-A-T-H. So please give her a follow for this weekend's action. We had a bit of breaking news as I was, you know, doing all the little recordings that it takes to bring you this lovely podcast. And that is that guard Chris Lindstrom has been named to the 2023 Pro Bowl. Uh, I think it is a really well-deserved honor. It's the first time that uh, Chris Lindstrom has made the Pro Bowl. He is certainly a Pro Bowl caliber player uh, for the Falcons offensive line. I know, uh, I believe a week ago, he was the top-rated um, offensive guard per pro football focus this season. Um, I have not checked, because again, this news is breaking, uh, to see if if he still remains it, but I know undoubtedly he is extremely high. He had another excellent game against the New Orleans Saints. Most of Tyler Algier's big runs came off of the right-hand side with him and, and Caleb McGarry, who was another player, who's really having uh, an excellent, some may even call it a breakout season by the uh, the right tackle. So 
again, I think it's really well-deserved. What the Falcons have been able to do, especially on the ground, averaging 164.1 yards per ground or per game on the season. Uh, As Shelby mentioned, that is third best in the NFL. They are going up against the second best rush offense. But Chris Lindstrom has been everything the Falcons could have hoped for when they drafted him. I may have told this story here on the podcast before, but it's kind of one of my favorite from my time with the Falcons. When they uh, selected Chris Lindstrom, I believe it was the 16th pick uh, in the 2019 NFL draft. He uh, or I tweeted out that I thought it was maybe a little bit early for the Falcons to take an interior offensive lineman. And I said that fully liking Chris Lindstrom coming out of Boston College. I, I thought that he was a really good player, just a little bit high for my taste. And when I tweeted that out, it was suggested that maybe maybe I think about, you know, taking that down. But I didn't stood my ground. Really, they just were like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Um, but Thomas Dimitrov never uh, missed an opportunity to remind me about that. And he was right. He was right because his point was, hey, look, if we don't take Chris Lindstrom here, we know for a fact that a team one or two spots behind us is planning on taking him. And I believe that team to be the Minnesota Vikings who took Garrett Bradbury uh, two spots behind Chris Lindstrom. So he was probably right. And that is the hidden thing about the draft is there's such an element that fans have absolutely no idea about and no access to and no way to get access to, which is kind of which way the wind is blowing for certain teams. What are their team needs? What do they like? Like each individual NFL team and each general manager just kind of knows what the chessboard looks like. And they know what kind of moves a team is planning on making or, or where they're probably leaning because they talk to all the other GMs around the league as everybody talks to everybody they get a little bit of some of these insights and it's how you see some of these teams jump other teams and then take the player they wanted to take all of that stuff. So Thomas Dimitrov was absolutely right to take Chris Lindstrom when he did. And this is an extremely well-deserved pro bowl uh, recognition for Chris Lindstrom. I could not be happier for him. He's also the Walter Payton, Walter Payton man of the year for the Falcons. So 2022, just a really, really solid season all the way around um, for Chris Lindstrom. And I could not be happier for him. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's podcast. As always, it is presented by Bet Online. I'm not sure when you guys will hear from me again. There's a chance, you know, baby's still not here after the game. I may pop on. I may do a quick 15, 25 minutes solo. I'll check with Ovi. I'll see if he's down, but it's Christmas Eve. I don't really want to ask people to spend time away from their family. Uh, if if we weren't hunkered down here in the house, just kind of waiting for baby M to arrive, I may be elsewhere and you guys wouldn't be getting a podcast. But as long as I'm still available and, you know, while I've got the mic in front of me for the limited time that I do, might as well get some football thoughts from me. So stay tuned. We'll play that by year. Uh, I'll probably tweet out if, if I'm going to do something right after the game. But I'll bet that that's the last time that you'll hear from me. So we'll see. In the meantime, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Will McFadden. I'm sure I will continue to tweet all about the Falcons throughout the season at season's end. Uh, probably won't be writing that much for the Falcolic either. But in the meantime, I do plan on having a little bit of a draft look uh, publishing on, on Thursday at some point. So be sure to check that out. It's going to be a few different scenarios based on how the Falcon season plays out and where they could slot into the draft um, based on how everything falls. So be on the lookout for that. Thank you guys so much for checking out 
today's podcast. If you appreciated it, if you liked it, let us know. Give us a rating. Give us a review. We certainly do appreciate it. I hope everybody has a great holiday, a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, whatever you choose to celebrate, if you celebrate at all. And if you don't, hey, I just wish you a great end of the year uh, because we got a new one right around the corner. So until then, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.